before I jump into the message this morning, I want to read you a little Thanksgiving story here. <clears throat> a man in Chicago calls his son in New York the day before Thanksgiving and says, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. 45 years of misery is long enough. Pop, what are you talking about? The son screams. We can't stand the sight of each other any longer, the father says. We're sick of each other, and I'm sick of talking about this. So you call your sister in Dallas and tell her. Frantic, the son calls his sister, who explodes on the phone. They are not getting divorced, she shouts. I'll take care of this. So she calls Chicago immediately and screams at her father. You are not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back, and we'll be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? And hangs up. The old man hangs up the phone, turns to his wife and says, okay, they're coming for Thanksgiving and paying their own way. <laughs> uh, which side of the turkey has the most, most feathers? The outside, very good. Uh, why did they let the turkey join the band? Because he had the drumsticks, so we know which one was the turkey on the stage a minute ago. What did the mom, <laughs> I like this one. What did the, what did the mama turkey say to her, to her naughty son? If your papa could see you now, he'd turn over in his gravy. <laughs> that's good. I don't care who you are. That's good. Why can't you take a, a turkey to church? Because they use foul language. Why did the police arrest the turkey? They suspected him of foul play. Good. All right. All right, I'll stop with the Thanksgiving jokes. Well, just one more, one more. You can't expect me just to stop cold turkey. Uh, so how do you keep a turkey in suspense? I'll let you know, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> Some of you will get that one later. I mean, somebody's thinking, I, th I think he just called us turkeys. Yes, yes, I did. All right, we, I better start preaching. Uh, I won't quit my day job. I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, so I want to start a message this morning in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 19. It's one short verse. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm not going to wait on you. It's be on the screen. One short verse, Isaiah 1 and 19, simply says, if, everybody shout if. Yeah. Louder. Yeah. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence that is already uh, been seen and felt and shown in this place this morning, Lord, through our worship. Lord, we've all, each and every one, already made a connection with you today. And Lord, as our heart is now softened and prepared and ready for the seed, I just pray that it would fall into the good ground of our heart. God, that you would use me this morning as your vessel, through your anointing, to speak a word that you would like for each and every one of us, not only to hear, uh, but to allow to come in and change us. God, we are so very, very blessed. God, you have been so good to us, and we know that we don't deserve it. So unworthy are we, God, but you continue to bless. And for that, Lord God, we don't ever want to take that for granted. And so today, God, we just ask you to open our hearts, our minds, help us to hear what the Spirit would say to us, and I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. All right, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, God speaking to the nation of Israel, and God had already promised them and had taken them to their own land. And without going through the entire story, the bottom line was, uh, Israel lives over here in Egypt, and they're slaves, and it's horrible. Over here in Canaan is a land that God had prepared just for them. And he said to them, this is a land that flows with milk and honey. 
So what that meant was the land is good. You can grow crops. You'll have all the food that you need. I will take care of you. You will eat the good of the land. You'll prosper. But there was a condition attached to that, and that's where that big word if comes in. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now, although if is only two letters, it's one of the biggest words in the English language, amen, as far as meaning is concerned. If, used in this context, is introducing a condition, right, for the remainder of the statement. There's a condition. I'll do this, but under the condition that you do this. So you have, you must do this before I will do that. That's ultimately what this is saying. So it's kind of like a mother saying to her child, uh, if you will clean your room, then I will give you a cookie. There's a condition there, right? I'll give you a cookie. Clean your room, get the cookie. Don't clean your room, don't get the cookie. It all hinges on that word if. And that's kind of what's going on right here in this verse. God said, I want to bless my people. You will eat the good of the land. I'll take care of you. I'll run away. I'll, I'll run off all of the armies that come out against, against you to try to defeat you. You'll eat the good of the land if you are willing and obedient. That's just good parenting, amen, from our heavenly father. Aren't you like that as a parent? You, if you tell, uh, tell your kid you clean your room, then you get the cookie. Um, but can I give you a little bit of, you know, off the topic here, can I give you a little bit of fatherly advice, a little pastorly advice? If your kid don't clean the room, don't give him the cookie. Amen? You say, well, I'll give you a cookie if you clean your room and they don't clean it and you still give them the cookie, they learn nothing right? There's conditions, there's, there's consequences to our actions, and we as human beings have to understand that. I'll give you the cookie. Go and inspect that thing. Make him clean it two or three times. I can tell you all kinds of stories about my kids, but I won't do that to him. It's good parenting. And so God, our Heavenly Father, says, look, I'm, I'm laying out for you a pattern of blessing. Speaking of his commandments specifically, if you will worship me and me only, I will give you the good of the land. That's not asking too much. God's saying, if you don't bow down to idols, don't give some little statue my credit. So God is saying, here's how I want you to live. And when you do that, and you're, you're obedient to my command, then I will open up and I will give you the blessing. Amen. So the trouble is, we, we want the blessings of God without the will of God. Right? We want to receive the blessings of God without doing the will of God. But it just, it doesn't work that way. All of God's blessings have an if attached to them. And we have to understand that. We, it's important that we understand that. And I want you to understand today, as I go into this message, it's not a matter of earning God's blessings so much as it's just a matter of reaching out to receive them. Okay, we're not talking about earning God's love, working to get God's favor. And we're, it's, it's not about earning it. It's just about, it's a matter of receiving it. So for example, if I, if I say to Dirk, let's say, poor, poor Dirk, this, this is why nobody else sits on the front row. But uh, so I, I have $1,000, let's say, I got a thousand dollar bill. They don't make those anymore, but I got a thousand bucks and I say, Dirk, I want to, I want to give you this. And I extend it to him, reach it out to him. Okay. So in order for him to get that, he's got to get out of his seat and come over here and get it, reach out and take it. Right. So how much sense would it make for him to say, I mean, he's not, I guarantee you, if I say, Dirk, I got a thousand dollars I want to give you, he's not going to sit there in his seat and say, you mean I got to get up out of my seat? You mean I got to do something? I'm just asking you to come get it. I've got to, I've got to do something? Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to come and get it. Of course, that's a small price to pay. Of course he's going to do that. And so that's the way it is with God's will. He extends to us his blessings. Not that we're trying to earn it, but that he's saying, you have to reach back to me. Amen? You have to comply with what I want you to do in your life in, in order to receive that blessing. You know, 
we know that we don't earn salvation. The Bible teaches us that, that we're saved by grace. Salvation is a free gift of God. There's nothing you and I can do to earn that. We know that. We can't work and do a lot of good deeds. We don't earn the, 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 the salvation of God. But, I mean, at the same time, God doesn't, God doesn't uh, save us without, you know, he doesn't sneak up on us and save us without our consent, right? God, even with salvation, God extends to us the offer of salvation, but we have to receive it by faith and we have to repent of our sins, don't we? That's not earning it. That's not working for it. That's just reaching for it and complying with God's will. And all that happens simultaneously when the Spirit of God is dealing with us and we yield to that. Man, all of the faith and the repentance and all that just naturally happens. So God's saying, here's what I offer to you if you're willing to receive it. If you're willing and obedient, God said, you'll eat the good of the land. So when Jesus, you think about the ministry of Jesus, when he was on this earth, so many times when he come in contact with people that Jesus would offer a blessing to someone, and be it healing, whatever, he would offer them a blessing, but he, he always required an act of faith um, on their part in order to receive that blessing. So for example, to the blind man, Jesus offered him healing. Remember, the blind, there's a couple different times. Blind men would say, Jesus, please, would you heal my my sight, give me sight. And so to the blind man, Jesus said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay, if you, don't know this, if you don't know that story, Jesus takes some clay, he spits in it, he wads it all up, makes some mud, puts it in the blind man's eyes, and then says, now go and wash that mud out in the pool of Siloam. Jesus didn't have to do it that way. Jesus could have just said, okay, the guy said, would you please heal my sight? You're healed. And no, no effort whatsoever on the part of the man. But Jesus was looking for an act of faith from this guy. Do you see that? So the guy, he says, I want you to go and wash out. You're receiving, you're reaching for my blessing. Wash that out. And when he washed that mud out, he looked up and he could see. I believe with all of my heart that if that man would have said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You have just spit in my eye and put mud in my eye and now you want me to feel my way. I can't even find the pool of Shalom. And you want me to go, forget it. This is stupid. If he'd have taken all that mud out, he'd have lived blind the rest of his days. I believe that. He had to comply with what Jesus was saying. He was looking for an act of faith, not an earning, just wanting to know that the man trusted him. Amen? That's not too much to ask. To the lame man, Jesus heals the lame man that's crippled, and he says to him, take up your bed and walk. He said, you're healed, but it took an act of faith for this guy to literally stand up. He's never stood up a day in his life, but he stands up, he takes his bed. It was an act of faith. To the lepers, they said, Jesus, would you please heal us of this leprosy? He says, go show yourself to the priest. Okay, we'll talk about this here in just a second. Go show yourself to the priest. See, in the Old Testament, if a person come down with leprosy, it was a very contagious, you just, you didn't get over it. It was a, you know, you body parts would turn white and fall off. It was just literally, you just kind of rotted a little bit at a time. And there was no, it was contagious. So the lepers all had to um, stay out, live outside of town. And if, if somebody actually got over their leprosy, which didn't happen very often, they had to go to the priest and the priest would examine him and the priest would be the one to determine, yes, they don't have leprosy anymore and would declare them to be clean. Okay, so here's these lepers and they're saying, Lord, or, yeah, Lord, will you heal us? And he says to them, he didn't say, okay, you're healed. Now go show yourself to the priest. He said to them, read it, we'll get there in a minute. He said, go show yourself to the priest. So they get up, still with leprosy. And as they're going to show themselves to the priest, that's when they were healed of their leprosy. Read it. It was an act of faith. God's saying, I want to, I want to know that you trust me. I want to know that you really believe that I can do the things. Jesus said that. People ask him for something. He'd say to them, do you believe that I can do this? 
He's looking for faith from all of us. The blessings of God are attached to the if we will believe and if we will trust him. Amen? So, um, right, let's go ahead and look at those lepers real quick before we move on. It's in Luke chapter 17, if you uh, want to turn there. I can't find it. Somebody took Luke out of my Bible. Oh, there it is. Okay, this is 17, verse 12. Um, and as he, Jesus, entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. No healing yet. Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I told you that part already, but I want to I show you the rest of this, um, especially in this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving. And, uh, uh, of course, you know, I say it every year. I think that every day should be Thanksgiving. Amen? I, I really don't think a day should go by that we, that we don't thank God for what he's done for us. But I want you to see, um, and this is so representative of the hearts of people even today. Uh, Jesus says, okay, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were healed. Then one, how many? How many were there? How many lepers were there? Would you pay attention to the beginning of the story? Ten. There were ten lepers, ten men who had leprosy. And they all go towards the priest. They're all healed. But one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where's everybody else? No one was found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This guy didn't have to go. I've heard people say, well, the other nine probably got their leprosy back. I don't know that the Bible doesn't say that. And I would venture to say probably not. Jesus had healed them. They're probably healed. But they all had to go to the priest and go through all of the rigmarole to be declared um, clean. But Jesus said, hey, your faith has made you clean. Just go home. You know, you see the point is that Jesus honored this guy. One out of 10 is not good odds, right? That's not one out of 10 people that was really grateful for what God had done for them. And, but that was the heart that Jesus was so impressed with. It was the heart of thankfulness that Jesus honored, amen? And because this guy came back and gave him praise, I think that, I think that Thanksgiving is a big if for us. If we want God's blessing going forward, I think God would say, I will give you blessings going forward if you're thankful for the ones that I've already done for you. Amen? Isn't that fair? Amen. I'll bless you going forward more and more. I, we've not even come close to tapping into the abundant blessings of God. He says things like, hey, I want to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you so much that you're not able to contain it. God wants to bless us. He really does. But he wants us to be thankful for the blessings that he gives us. Amen? This whole this concept, of course, I just shared with you about Jesus, but even throughout the entire Old Testament, all of Scripture, this concept is there. Uh, just to name a few, Naaman uh, had to humble himself and dip in the river before he was healed of his leprosy, right? It was an act of faith. David, he had to wind up that sling and throw the rock before Goliath would fall in front of him. David could have walked out there and just was done like this and then God could have gave Goliath a massive stroke or heart attack and he could have fell over and David not done a thing God could have done it that way but it required an act of faith on David's part to wind up get the rock wind up the sling and throw it and then God brought Goliath to his knees sometimes folks I think that when we're needing God to do something in our life and we think we're waiting on him I think a lot of the times God's waiting on us 
Amen? We're waiting on him to just do it. And God's saying, no, I, I've, I, here, I want you to trust me. I want you to be willing and obedient. And he's actually waiting on us. And if we could just even start by saying, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Again, not to earn his blessings, but to, to reach for them. Amen? So David, uh, Abraham had to raise the knife over his son Isaac before God provided the sacrifice. The three Hebrew children had to go into the fiery furnace uh, before God delivered them. You know, they went in with the attitude, hey, look, those in the fiery furnace, um, you know, God can deliver us out of that fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, either way, we're not bowing to you, amen? And God saw their heart. He saw their devotion. Last week, we talked about the difference in emotion and devotion. How many of you know if you're standing in front of a big hot furnace and an angry king who's wanting to throw you in there, that'd be a good opportunity for your emotions to take over. But their emotions, they fully, completely shoved aside and were devoted to the Lord to the point they were willing to go into the fire. And it was when they went into the fire that God showed up in a mighty way, amen? acting upon their faith. Faith is literally the fuel that drives the blessing of God in our life. And that's why Satan works so hard to destroy our faith. Amen. We have to guard our faith. We have to guard our faith diligently. It's, it's faith is what connects us to God. And Satan's doing everything he can to chip away at your faith, to get you to not believe. If he can cause you to not believe and not trust God, then he's winning and the blessings of God begin to fade. Uh, I said this on Wednesday night here a couple weeks ago. If you knew that, I mean, your house is your most viable asset. And if you knew that somebody was going to show up at your house tonight or this afternoon and rob you or burn your house down, you would be there. You would be there to guard it and protect it. You say, no, this is valuable to me and I'm not going to let somebody else come along and destroy it. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to, I'm going to guard it. But yet, despite all of that, your faith is more valuable to you than your home. Your faith in God is the most valuable thing you have. You have to fight for it because there is an enemy that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy ultimately your faith because that's what's linking you to God. Guard your faith. You need it. So, you know, of course, all of us, everyone, we want the easy blessing. You know, we want it to come easy. But the easy blessing, A, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, we don't appreciate the blessing as much when it comes easy. And two, God doesn't get as much glory when it comes easy. Amen. It's when it comes hard and when we go through the fire and we go through the struggle and end up blessed that God really gets all of the honor and the glory because it's obvious we didn't do that on our own. Amen? Amen. We can't fully appreciate the blessings of God until maybe we've been without, right? Sure, we want the easy blessing. I know we get discouraged. Pray, we pray, Lord, do this. Lord, get me out of this. Lord, this is bad. And it seems like it doesn't happen right away. You have to understand it's not because God has failed. It's not because God has ignored you. It's because God has determined that the easy blessing is not going to be the best for you in that, in that moment. It's the struggle that brings the greater blessing. Amen? So if I'm handing Dirk $1,000, easy. Say, Lord, all, all you got to do is come up here and get it. That's easy. But let's say, or... I'll give you a million dollars if you go run 10 miles. Dirk, can you run 10 miles? I bet you could. Would be slow. <laughs> <laughs> but you could do it for a million dollars. Yeah, the easy blessing, the easy cash is nice, but I'd be willing to go through a little struggle and panting and maybe, you know, a cardiac arrest in order to get the million dollars, yeah. right? So sometimes the greater blessings come with struggle attached to them and God does that for our benefit he does that for our our well-being um uh, you know I was, you know I was thinking about it even this week you know of course in this 
uh, week of the year when we're celebrating Thanksgiving. We think a lot about pilgrims and Indians and stuff. And, you know, the, the, the pilgrims, the, the Puritans, they came to America because they wanted religious freedom. You know, they weren't able to just worship the Lord the way they wanted to, where they were at, and they wanted to get to a place where they could just worship God the way they wanted. Excuse me. Trying to hold it in so I don't cough in your ear, and that's not easy to do. Um, uh, where was I? Puritans, pilgrims. They want religious freedom. They want to be able to worship God the way they <coughs> want to worship God. And here America sat with that opportunity. Uh, and so they're praying, oh, Lord, please give us a place where we can worship you freely. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you America. But guess what they had to do? They had to get on the ship, had to get on the Mayflower, and brave the sea, brave the storms, brave the waters in order to get where they needed to be in order to, to worship God. It took something on their part. Again, not that God was saying, well, I'll see if you deserve it by going, no, no, no. It's just God saying, here's, here's your blessing. I want, I want to see how much you'll trust me to get there. Amen. We're reaching for the blessings of God. Um, so turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 9 are what we have come to, to call the Beatitudes, okay? And a Beatitude just simply means it's a blessing, okay? Um, I don't know why we don't just call it the, the blessings, but we call it the Beatitudes. Sounds cooler, right? The Beatitudes. And uh, of course, and I know old joke, but sometimes we all need a good Beatitude adjustment, right? All right? And so we're going to get our Beatitude adjustment this morning. Basically, here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus is preaching to a, you know, a multitude of people who had gathered. And he, talk, he covers all kinds of topics. But it's interesting that he starts the sermon with the Beatitudes. In other words, he's saying, here's the recipe for blessing. If you want to be blessed, here's what needs to happen. Okay, so let's read through those real quick. And I could, I could preach a sermon on each one of these, but I'm going to try to resist that temptation. Uh, let's go through them here. So verse 3, <laughs> excuse me. Jesus is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being willing to admit, I have no spiritual wealth of my own. I cannot make it to heaven on my own. I'm poor, and I need God. Those are the ones that see the kingdom of God. If I think I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a quote-unquote good person, I ain't going, right? It's I have to acknowledge I am spiritually poor and destitute, and when we acknowledge that, God makes available to us the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. You can't, everybody wants comfort and Jesus promised us comfort, but we can never truly understand or appreciate comfort until we have first mourned. Isn't that true? You want to really know what comfort feels like? God said, you may have to mourn for a while because then after you've mourned, comfort is so much sweeter. Number one, I'm not so sure comfort exists when everything's going great, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God resists the proud. He said, if you really want my blessings on this earth, don't be so cocky. That's what he's saying there. If you're meek, if you're humble, I will bless you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The King James says they shall be filled. You really want to be fulfilled in your life? You really want to understand the great things of God? You really want to draw closer to God? Well, you first got to be hungry for it. You first got to desire it. Amen. Again, God doesn't sneak up and jump on anybody's back. We seek his blessings and then he gives them to us. 
this is a big one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. See the if there? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's the same as saying, if you are merciful, if you show people mercy, then God will show you mercy. Jesus was very specific with that, wasn't he? He said, hey, look, um, if you, if, big word, if you don't forgive people for the, the sins that they commit against you, then I will not forgive you for the sins you commit against me. In a sense, that's, again, you look at a condition for salvation. Not that we're earning it. God's just saying, hey, if you're willing and obedient, if you'll comply with, well, I'm, I'm forgiving you for all of these sins, and in turn, I want you to forgive other people. So if you don't forgive other people, then I'm not going to forgive you. That's a big if. We want mercy. There's nothing greater than mercy. When you know you deserve punishment, when you know you deserve judgment, you know you deserve death, and you get love and grace and mercy and forgiveness instead, there's nothing greater than that. That's what salvation is all about. But to get that, we've got to be willing to give it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And everybody wants to see God, but folks, we can't be corrupt and polluted by the world around us and still get to see God. Amen? We have to keep ourselves separated from the things of this world with a pure heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You can't be called the son of God if you're a pot stirrer. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are the ones that are called the son of God. If you're willing to favor in the side of peace, then I'd call you my son. But if you prefer to stir the pot, then I can't call you my son. He goes on to say, you know, even if you're persecuted for my name's sake, you're blessed. The blessing, we think of blessing. If we as human beings define blessing, we're going to automatically pick all the good stuff. If I say to you, okay, tell me what, how you're blessed. We're going to say things like, well, I've got a, a nice home. It's warm in the winter and cool in the summer. I've got a good family. We're going to name all of the good stuff because we associate blessing with good stuff and rightly so. But according to Jesus' teaching here, amidst all of the good stuff that he's saying, even when you get bad stuff, you're blessed. Blessed are you when people persecute you for my name's sake, when you suffer for, the, for being a Christian ultimately. He says, even sometimes the bad stuff is blessed. Wasn't it Job? I think Job even said, hey, look, uh, can I receive the good of God, at God's hand and not receive the bad? He said, I can find a blessing in everything. Job went through stuff that none of us can ever even fathom. And the Bible says in the end, he got twice as much as he had before. God literally doubled his blessing for his trouble, so to speak. And he said, but it was because in his heart, he continued to trust God. So throughout the Beatitudes, I'm blessed if, okay, Psalm chapter one, again, I'm going to move through this quick. I'm going to resist the temptation to preach on each one of these, although I think I might've just done that on the other one, but I won't this time, I promise. Psalm chapter one, <laughs> excuse me, Again, we're looking at blessed if. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but that's the title of my message if you haven't figured it out by now. Blessed if, okay? Um, so Psalm chapter one, verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the guy who doesn't get his advice from ungodly people. So if you get your counsel from God, then you're blessed. Otherwise, if you get your counsel from those who are ungodly, what are you left with? Curse. There's blessing, there's curse, right? There's, that's, that's, the only two, that's the only two choices. And, and it's always been that way. You know, God uh, told Moses, he said, I want you to get all of the nation of Israel together. He gathers them all together by the droves, by the millions. And he says to them all, hey, God is saying to you, he's laying before you a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments which he gives you today. A curse if you don't, right? 
And so nobody, if I was to stand up here today and say, how many of you want to be cursed? <laughs> nobody going to raise their hand. Nobody wants to be cursed, but we choose curse when we don't comply with the will of God. Amen? We say, I want to be blessed. No, I don't want curse. I want blessing. Will you do the will of God? Well, no. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. We get blessing when we do the will of God, and we're, if we don't, then we're left with the curse and everything that it brings, which is not only hardship in this life, but hell when this life is over. Amen? <laughs> Excuse me. So, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, uh, nor stands in the way of sinners. So, in other words, there's two paths. We know that there's a straight and narrow, narrow path that leads to God, and there is a broad path that leads to destruction. And when we decide to not walk the path of sinners, we don't walk the path of the flesh and the path of sin, but we choose to walk the path of Christ and righteousness. We're blessed. We choose this path, no bless. Choose this path, bless. It's easy. He goes on to say, nor, st uh, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers or the scornful. But when we're kind and we're loving and we're forgiving to people, we get that same back. But when we're scornful and scoffing and mean to people, it's going to come back to us. It just is. That's the way God, God invented the concept of what you reap what you sow, right? God set it up that way. And you know what? You may live, somebody may just be mean and nasty and deceitful and sinful their entire life and live high on the hog their entire life. And we can look at them and say, well, man, God, how come they're not struggling? I'm doing, I'm trying to do everything right and I'm struggling. They're doing nothing right and they got it made. Well, that may be in this life, but how many of you know we're not living for this life? In the end, when we all stand, read, I didn't mean to, I didn't intend to go here, but let me give you a little homework assignment. If you read, I think it's Psalm chapter 73, if I remember correctly. The psalmist is basically addressing that very thing. He says, he said, when I look at the wicked and I see how they prosper, I can't help but look at God and say, what's up with this? You know, I'm struggling here and they're prospering. But he says, but when I, when I went into the sanctuary, in other words, when I went into the presence of God, then I realized something that it's not about today. It's about the end. It's about standing before God. I may struggle in this life, but when I stand before God, that's when the real blessing starts to flow. Amen? And somebody may have everything this world has to offer, but when they stand before, but they reject God, they stand before God, that's when their curse comes to fruition. Amen? Don't, don't judge God based on how good you think your life is or how bad you think your life is. You can't, you can't judge God that way. That's really not fair. God says, hey, I've got, he said, I've got your eternal soul in mind, not just your temporary fleshly comforts, right? He said, verse 2, but his, again, we're talking about blessed is the man. Verse 2, the delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, a guy that just desires God's will that meditates on the word of God and lives by it. That man will be blessed. Look what he says about him. This guy will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in his season and his, and, and his leaves, excuse me, his leaf does not wither and in all he does, he prospers. That sounds like blessing to me. Amen. Whatever you put your hand to, God said, I'll, I'll bless the works of your hands. What you do will prosper if... You don't get your advice from ungodly people. You don't sit in the seat of the scornful. You don't walk the path of sinners. And you don't ignore my word. Amen? It's nothing real hard. God said, all I'm asking you to do is reach for my blessings by being compliant with my will. Now, in Psalm 136, we sang about this just a little bit. Let me tell you the story really quickly because this is kind of cool. This, this, these are things that just never ceases to amaze me in the way that God confirms his word. I'm going to tell you this just so you know that I didn't kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo a sermon here and it's just a fluke. Um, but I, I really believe with all of my heart that God handpicked this sermon today 
for us. I mean, to hear this, and uh, one of the things is throughout this week, uh, Psalm 136 was just on my mind a lot. Uh, I read it several times throughout the week, and that, that, that song that we just sang in worship, uh, give thanks to the Lord our God and King, his love endures forever. That song was in uh, my mind all week long. And we didn't plan on singing that song this morning, and I kept thinking to myself, well, I wish we'd have sang that song. That would go perfect with the message. And then I told Tina last night, I said, I wish we would have, I wish we'd sing uh, Forever God is Faithful. And, uh, but just kind of let it go. This morning I get here, and I'm getting all ready, and I'm singing that song, not even thinking about it. I'm just singing that song. It's in my mind. Give thanks to the Lord our God and King. Love endures forever. And I'm thinking, and I, and I turned to her again, and she was standing over there, and I said, I said, man, I wish we'd have sang that. I wish we'd have planned on singing that song. And then I got to listen. Jennifer was already here uh, doing all the media stuff, getting it all ready for the service. Um, and she had music playing over the, uh, the speakers. And as soon as I told Sweetie that, I got to listening. And you'll never guess what song was playing uh, over the speakers. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. And so I said, well, even I can get this sign. I mean, even, it even, even I can tell that God's trying to say something to us. And, and uh, my point is, is this, that God put all of this together, this together for us to see this morning that when we're thankful and that when we praise him and when we come before him with the desire to be obedient to his will, that he wants to bless us. Amen. And so let, let's read through this again. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read this whole thing, but I'm going to go through it kind of quickly because I'm not, again, not going to try to preach on each one of these verses, these lines, <laughs> excuse me, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. How many of you can testify to that this morning that God is good. Amen. Your circumstances may be yucky, but God is good. Always remember that. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Every single one of these verses ends the same way. Throughout, I mean, how many verses is this? 25, 26 verses, and he ends every verse by saying his steadfast love endures forever. God's love never ends. His blessing, it, it, the flow, the fountain of God's blessing never dries up. It's always there. It's always flowing to those who will come before God with a willing and obedient heart. So give thanks to him because he's good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. All those other gods are not gods. He is God. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever to him who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever the sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love his steadfast love endures forever the moon and the stars to rule over the night for his steadfast love endures forever now these last several verses i just got done reading all have to do with creation the fact that we have dry land because you think about creation as god created everything he created everything with us in mind God didn't want us just floating around. I mean, everything was just water to begin with. But God, thinking ahead out of his love that never ends, thinking about us, thought, these people, I don't, these people don't want to have to swim and float everywhere they go. I want, them to be able, I want them to have something solid for their feet to stand on. And so, because of his love for us, he made the dry land appear. Everything was void. Everything was dark. And God looks around and he says, I don't want my people living in darkness all the time. You spend enough time in darkness, you start getting depressed and down. And I mean, he said, I don't want my people living in darkness. So out of his love for you and for me, seeing down the road, our need, God said, let there be light. And there was light. He created light for us. You see the point, the blessing, God continually thinking about what's best for us. Verse 10, 
to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And you say, wait, pull on the brakes here. We know that God killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. What, his love endures forever. That doesn't sound very loving to me. What, what's going on with all of that? Well, it, again, goes kind of back to the you'll be blessed if, but if you don't, you get the opposite results. Now, the, the bottom line is whole scenario is the Egyptians are holding the Israelites captive. The Israelites are in Egypt and they're, they're slaves. And Pharaoh sees that all of the Israelites are multiplying. Their nation was growing from within Egypt. And Pharaoh thinks to himself, man, if these people keep growing like they are and multiplying like they are, then if they decide to turn against us, they could whoop us. So we need to thin them out. We need to get rid of some of these Israelites. And do you know what Egypt, you know what Pharaoh did in order to thin out the Israelites? He killed all of their firstborn sons. And God says, look, I came up with the whole concept of you reap what you sow, right? And so now God delivering his people. He said, look, you, nobody kills my people and gets away with it. Amen? God said, there's a river of blessing flowing and out of my love for them, he then kills all of the firstborn of Egypt and that was the plague that delivered them mightily. Everything God does is out of a love for his people. Amen? God even loves the people who aren't his people. Everybody say, oh, we're all God's children. Well, not really. We're only God's children through Jesus. Amen? Now, all the people who are not saved, who are not in Jesus, God still loves them. And he wants them to be his children, but they're not his children until we come to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And our sins have all been forgiven. Verse 12, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Oh, I've, I skipped 11. He brought Israel out from among them for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass over the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, <laughs> excuse me, for his steadfast love endures forever to him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever you know what the wilderness is by the way it's a desert to get God's people from bad to better he didn't take them the easy path he took them through the desert he took them through the wilderness where it was dry where it was hot where it seemed impossible it was rough they, they went through a period there where they didn't feel very blessed but they were still blessed. How many of you know that you're blessed even if you don't feel blessed? God said, I'm gonna get you to where I'm taking you, but you may have to go through the desert to get there. To him who struck down great kings for his love endures forever and killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. Og, king of Bashan, <laughs> excuse me, for his steadfast love endures forever and gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever a heritage to Israel his servant for his steadfast love endures forever it is he who remembered us in our low estate it is God who remembered us in our low estate in our sins in our lowness when we are not worthy that's when God seen us that's when God showed his love to us at the cross in our low estate not after we get our act together a lot of times people think that, and I've, I've had people say this to me uh, well, I know I need to really get in church. I know I need to start serving God. And as soon as I get this and that and something else fixed in my life, as soon as I get this under control, as soon as I stop doing that, as soon as I do all this, then I'll serve God. It don't work like that. 
Let me, let me, let me free you. Let me, let me give you some great news this morning. You don't have to get your act together and fix this, 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 and this before you come to God. You come to God first, and he'll give you the strength to fix this, 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 and this. Hallelujah. In our low estate, God wants to bless us and forgive us and bring us in. Because why? Because it's steadfast, unmoving, never stopping. Love endures forever. He rescues us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Gives, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. I wanted to read the whole chapter because I wanted to read that many times for his steadfast love endures forever. I believe that the psalmist, as he writes this, there's a message he's trying to get across in this, don't you think? To say it that many times, God said, man, there's a river of, blowing, a river of blessing flowing it's a river that comes from my heart, a river of love, and I want everybody to get in it. I want everybody to get in on the blessings. Amen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this, this verse. This is in Luke chapter 12, verse 37. It says, blessed are those servants whom the master, <laughs> excuse me, when he comes, will find watching. Blessed are the servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. So what's he referring to? He's referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? One day, this entire world as we know it will end. One day, Genesis to Revelation gives us the picture of a day, a moment, when God will put an end to this world where he will send Jesus and Jesus will show up on a horse with that, those eyes of fire and the hair of one, and, he'll, and, and all suffering will be ended. Every tear dried up, the Bible says. And judgment day comes for everyone who's ever lived. And that can be a very fearful thought. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, then the thought of Jesus' return is a fearful thought, amen? It should be. If you're not worried about the coming of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus, I would be concerned about that. Blessed is the one, the servant, who is found watching when his master returns. Later on in verse 40, he says, therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is coming. He's not giving us a forewarning. He's not giving us a heads up. We stand up here a couple minutes before church service starts. Everybody's talking and, you know, and, and greeting one another and, and doing things. And we stand up here and say, hey, we're getting ready to start in just a little bit. That lets everybody know and they start getting in their seat. Okay, Jesus, we're not getting that kind of a forewarning before the coming of Jesus. I'm not going to be like a big parting in the sky and God says, hey, I'm getting ready to come here in a few minutes. Everybody get ready. That would be nice. Nah, boom, I'm here. Are you ready or not? So, so when, since we don't know when that's going to happen, then we are supposed to be watching all the time. That's the command. To be obedient to God's command is to be watching and to be ready to be living my life the best of my ability, understand, trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. So when he returns, I'm ready. So the blessing here, he said, blessed is the person who's watching. The blessing in this life is the fact that we don't have to live in fear all the time. The blessing of being ready and being saved in this life is that we can live in peace and we can live in confidence. I don't dread the coming of Jesus Christ. I look forward to it. Amen? That's the blessing of being saved. But I can only be saved if I trust Jesus as my Savior. Amen? Repent of my sins and, and believe in what he did at the cross of Calvary for me. And obviously, the, the real blessing in being saved is what happens when this life is over. Amen? 
We stand before God and we're not judged because of our sin. Our sin's already been judged. Our sin was judged at the cross. We're living free as though we never sinned because Jesus took our punishment. So we stand before God and he says, enter in, good and faithful servant, into the rest of the Lord. Rest from what? Rest from pain, a rest from death, a rest from temptation. No more temptation, sorrow, pain. I mean, you know, everything bad and stinky about the world is over. And now we live in the presence of God for all eternity. You and I cannot even fathom how good that's going to be. That's the, that's the epitome of blessing. Amen? But, but all, all that starts now. All that starts now. Everybody wants blessing. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Right? Again, if I was to say, raise your hand if you would prefer to go to hell. Nobody is going to raise their hand. If I say, who wants to go to heaven? Everybody in this place is going to raise their hand. I want to go to heaven. And of course you do. We all do. But we can't get there on our own. We can't get there by being a good person. We can't get there by going to church by itself. We only get there by trusting in Jesus as our Savior, calling out to him and asking him to forgive us of our sins, repenting of our sins, and having faith, putting our faith and our trust in him amen so the blessing is extended they're coming to uh, sing a song of invitation this morning the blessing is extended okay and i'm not offering you the gift of salvation jesus is offering that i'm just telling you about it maybe some of you here this morning are not saved maybe some of you watching by live stream this morning are not saved if you if you can't go back to uh kelsey said it really good back here in the uh the youth service a few weeks ago if you can't go back to a point in your life, a moment in time, and you remember it, there, where you made the commitment to Jesus Christ, where you asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins, and you, you turned your life over to him, if you can't remember a time when you did that, then you're not saved. Because I promise you, when you get saved, you'll never forget it. There has to be that moment, the, the decision. Okay, Lord, I know you're extending to me the blessing of salvation. You're willing to forgive me of everything I've done. No conditions, no, question, or no questions asked. God's not going to say, well, that one was kind of bad. I'm going to hold that one against you. This one, ooh, that one was really bad. I'm not sure. No, 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 no. All the sin. So, Lord, I know that you're extending to me blessing this morning to forgive me of all my sins, and I, and I just accept that blessing. I accept that blessing. I'm willing to let you come in and change me where you want to change me. I'm willing to be obedient. Believe me, we need God's help to be obedient. I'm a pastor. I need God's, I probably need more help than you guys do in being obedient to the will of God. But that's where the blessings flow from. Amen. So everybody just close your eyes and bow your heads this morning and just, be, just start praying. Would you do that? Just start praying for yourself. Again, those here, those watching by live stream that, are, that have never been saved, I believe more than anything, God wants to save somebody today. I believe more than, again, all those blessings we talked about that God wants to bless his people with are there. And maybe, maybe that's what you're praying for today. Maybe you're saved and you're going through a financial difficulty or maybe you're saved and you're struggling with, you know, um, you know, bitterness or hatred or, I mean, whatever be the case. I mean, but you really need God to bless you in a certain area. And by all means, be praying for that this morning, but be willing to say, God, what are you looking for from me? God, am I, am I walking in? in disobedience have I not recognized yet what your will is I mean just be honest with God and he'll show you but the greatest blessing that God wants to pour out today is the is the blessing of salvation
So if you're not saved, would you begin praying right now, God, please save me. I want to receive this blessing. I'm reaching to you today, no matter what. And as they sing this song of invitation today, if you would like to come up to one of these altars and kneel and pray, if you would like to come up here and stand and have us pray with you, if you would like for somebody to come back where you're at and pray with you, just lift your hand and wave us back. Whatever be the case, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you get real with God. Because again, I can't save you. I can't give you that blessing. I can tell you about it, but it's only God who gives you that blessing. So let's pray. Everybody just pray right now this morning as they sing. Hallelujah. Every hour. Every hour.